Hi everyone, my name's Dave. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to SportStack Weekly Analysis by AlphaStack, where you can get your weekly discussion on everything SportStack. This is a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already at AlphaStack Group. And don't forget to check out our weekly blog posts at www.alphastack.co.uk. Right, enough of the admin. Let's get on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the SportStack Weekly Analysis podcast. My name's Dave. I've got Jay with me, as usual. This is episode 26, I'm going to say. I mean, I'm not sure we need to actually do this at the start of of every episode but this is episode 26 um for anyone who cares jay it was the first week under the new scoring table this weekend how did it feel to you did it did it kind of change the game at all uh it didn't really change the game um what i did find is that i was sort of if i was on a player's payout page i was scrolling through their sort of payout timeline a heck of a lot more than i was before because um, obviously sort of the, the at least the players that I was trading on they were you know getting unsuccessful and then successful dribbles um you know at, at times two or three actions um a minute when they were you know when they're on the ball um I think Salah a couple of times had successful and then unsuccessful in the same minute sort of in the same action um, and sort of then I just found myself constantly scrolling through their payout timeline. <laughs> right. OK, so you felt like there was more kind of to keep up with. A little bit more to keep up with. But yeah, I mean, on the on the whole sort of where we were looking and sort of I was trying to keep an eye out to see whether. Because uh, I know there's been sort of the odd discrepancy that, you know, traders have found with the way Opta have scored uh, things in the past. But I actually thought they got at least everything that I was watching, they got it all spot on with the with the new items, at least, um, on, the, on the scoring table, which is obviously great to see. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for me is that I don't think it felt massively different. So, you know, the product is 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 still intact, um, yeah. kind of as we knew it before. Mm-hmm. But you are, you are kind of getting performances being um, rewarded or punished kind of more appropriately. So I think I think the tweaks they've made are good. And I suppose it does. It does depend on how close you're following the particular performance, and even the player that you're you're watching. Like when we go through Salah's uh, Salah's payout later, he was heavily, heavily involved, pretty much throughout the game in terms yeah. of yeah, um, the number of actions on his on his uh, sheet now, where you've got kind of the blocks showing the the payouts for goals, tackles, everything. Um, there's a lot on there. It's uh, quite the full. Yeah, there's there's more on there than there there would have been before, so there is a little bit more to get to to watch for, but it does depend on on what player you you've been trading, I suppose. How did the first week go for you? It was amazing, bar <laughs> one trade. Um, I I don't even know why I done it, but I took a position on Jordan Ayew because he was so cheap. Oh, um, yeah, I, okay. In in the back of my mind, I was going, oh, Dave. Dave mentioned that like he he benefited quite a lot from like fouls won and successful dribbles because he didn't have too many unsuccessful. Um, he had less hor- than Zaha. That's why. Yeah, yeah, and it just went horribly wrong. Um, so yeah, apart from that one trade, you know, where it went brilliantly. Um, obviously, I I was I did have a couple of super stack bets that didn't come off. So I think overall, I ended up somewhere in the region of 230 240 pound up um That's which very good yeah i started back with a um 1300 um bank so yeah it was a, it was a very very good first weekend <laughs> Quite, yeah okay so you're looking at what i've off top made about 15 percent return 15 yeah on 15. the weekend only getting close to that yeah excellent going excellent going um i have to say i did allow myself to overtrade a little bit just for the for the first week oh come on <laughs> come on i was i was i was itching to get trading again so i did <laughs> i did take a few things that i think once games were in play i was kind of like probably just be more patient next time it's the sort of thing that you could take five minutes into a game just to confirm that kind of the teams are lining up how you're expecting to and expecting them to and kind of like the game isn't hasn't started in a drastically different fashion to what you'd expect anyway 
Um, so yeah. I did. Unless yeah. you're Sheffield United or Wolves. Well, Sheffield United and Wolves, yeah. I mean, we'll come to that. But that one was obviously a, a quite a fast start. And I would imagine it made a few people very happy very quickly. And it also blew a few people out of the water pretty much straight away. Yeah. Just before we get into the review of game week one if you haven't seen we've got a new blog post out i think it was uh it was published this morning we're recording on tuesday this will be out on wednesday so for anyone listening on wednesday it'll be yesterday it was published uh called setting the goalposts and that is just jay and i commenting on kind of setting a few parameters for how we want to trade this year so with game week one and my over trading out of the way we kind of want to formulate a, a trading plan it goes kind of goes part way to creating a trading plan for ourselves in terms of staking um, spotting opportunities you know going in for the kill when you you see a trade that's already working you know don't necessarily be scared to double down stuff like that so mm-hmm. it's only a very quick read but that's worth worth checking out on the website if you haven't already now we're going to well as we usually do we'll go chronologically so opening game of the season jay was fulham nil arsenal three yes. you had a pick for this game didn't you yes so i went with a bamyang in this game and in in all honesty i know he i know i sort of on the pick especially sort of i was up 6p but like his involvement was so poor <laughs> um it yeah it was it was really really poor um you know he he, I know he had another opportunity to score sort of near the end, and there, there were a couple of times where I think he was sort of wide open and just some. Uh, I genuinely can't remember who it was, but the other Arsenal players were just maybe a little bit selfish and wanted to get on the score sheet themselves um, when he was in a much better position. But in general, yeah, his his involvement was so poor that you know the fact he scored and still only just made me money. Um, is fairly disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Um, I I wasn't able to watch the game, so I was surprised to hear Arsenal, you know, they'd gone 2-0 up. Aubameyang hadn't had any involvement in any of the goals at that point. And, I mean, I know he probably would have been one of the most heavily selected players on FPL this week. So, yeah, yeah that, would have, that would have gutted a lot of people. Obviously, he eventually got his goal. And I suppose in FPL terms, that's fine. Uh, but in sports stack terms, that it it wasn't really enough. So that's something that I guess people want to keep an eye on. But I suppose the main thing is that Arsenal system doesn't look to have changed much from last year. So that I mean, that's kind of that's how Bamiang in a nutshell. We kind of knew he he had that in him, right? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we we know fully well that he's another one of those forwards who can really just be hot and cold. Um, so, you know, one week he could pay out 30p because he just has no involvement. The next week he could pay out 80 because he bags a hat-trick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, one of the, probably the, the main people we need to talk about is Gabriel, who is Arsenal's new signing at centre-half. And he started with Rob Holding and Kieran Tierney, I think, either side of him. And he looked very, very comfortable. He won the Superstack prize uh, with payout of 69p. He got that second goal, which pretty much wrapped up the game. He generally looked very assured, but Fulham were quite poor, weren't they? So, you know, he's likely to be tested much more defensively um, sort of in other games. Yeah, obviously put him up against uh, Liverpool, for example, and, you know, it could be completely different. He did have an early moment um, where he sort of played a really poor pass and it could have gone the complete other way and his debut could have started off really, really badly. Um, but luckily, sort of, they, they worked their way out of it. But yeah, I mean, apart from that, he he did look very, very solid, especially after that sort of uh, potential blunder. Yeah, and on the, on the Fulham side, the highest payout was actually only 36p for Tim Ream. So that kind of speaks to how how poor they were. In the three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, Palace hosted Southampton. That was one 0 win for Palace, which mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure we're all very happy about. There isn't a whole lot to say on this game, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um well I d I don't think many people are happy about it because Southampton players were uh, were ones that, you know, were doing very, very well 
um, in post-lockdown period. So I think a lot of people backed uh, the likes of Danny Ings and James Ward-Prowse, for example. You know, those are two sports stack favourites, uh, you know, in the back end of lockdown especially. Um, yeah. And it just didn't happen for them. Uh, in, in all fairness, uh, Guaita was fantastic, to be fair. The amount of yeah. saves he made was um, was just outstanding. Yeah, so on the Palace side, there were there were a few decent payouts in there. Guaita paid out 54p, and with that, he had a couple of... One, one particularly stunning save, and then one um, that was a good save, and it was in the 92nd, 93rd minute, something like that. So he... I mean, he really rose to the task, kind of as I suppose sports tax traders probably expect at this point. Um, he's, you know, he's been very, very good for us over the course of the last couple of seasons. There were a few others dotted around. Tyrone Mitchell was, I know, coming back to FPL, he was, I think, a four million pound pickup on FPL. Um, and he actually stood up really well. I thought, having seen him at the back end of last year, he would be quite poor he might struggle but he i think he paid out 49 or 47p something like that um so that was a very good return for him probably the main concern is that the performance is obviously built very much on defensive solidity so as you mentioned are you earlier he paid out 20p in the end didn't he uh i don't even want to look <laughs> okay fair enough how much did you pay out of interest uh 36 37 Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was fairly painful. Yeah, he <laughs> he seems to be one of those highly volatile ones, and as well, Zaha ended up scoring the winning goal. He could have had a second. It was disallowed for a very marginal side, and then there was another chance later on. Actually, that he he fluffed wide, but he only paid out forty two p with a goal. So that's that's going to concern a few people, even with these. Um, changes to the to scoring table where you're getting paid for for fouls one. Yeah, absolutely. I think the fact that he only paid out forty two p with the goal, it's it's really really poor. I think it gives him a base of three p, <laughs> which is which is terrible, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's not really much to say on it. I guess the interesting thing for me, particularly, I suppose will be with us being linked with a couple more creative players is if over the course of the season, Hodgson will look to change the way we play and that might give our attacking players a little bit more value. You know, if we can get more creativity onto the pitch, if we can start to dominate the ball more. But the way we're set up at the moment, that that certainly isn't isn't kind of the way it looks to be going. So we'll, we'll see how that one unfolds. Yep. The 5.30 kickoff on... Saturday was Liverpool versus Leeds. That was sort of the highlight of the weekend um, before and actually, you know, in the in the analysis afterwards, it certainly was the game that was most worth watching. Jay, oh, yeah. this was sort of uh, your highlight, so I'll, I'll let you run with this. I think this was the highlight of my sports stack trading career to date, to be fair. Um, it's definitely the biggest win I've had um, on the platform. So uh, obviously my pick was Mo Salah. Um, I think I got him for, uh, let me just double check, 49p, um, which was fantastic. And I, I basically let that run the whole the whole way through. Right. Um, I remember tweeting out, actually, because I think when he got his second goal, um, normally I would be banking my profits at that point. Um, I probably, you know, again, under normal circumstances, I probably would have banked some of it after the first goal because, you know, inflated prices and whatnot. Uh, but because it's the sort of newly promoted side and the game looked very, very open anyway, so there's always chances of uh, more goals coming, you know, anywhere left right and center. I just ended up letting it run um, and actually ended up buying more with about 10 minutes to go. So Salah was like 75p payout with 10 minutes to go, but his buy price is only 80p. Yeah. And I'm sat there thinking, right, I'm I'm up anyway. So like if I buy another 200 shares, worst case scenario, maybe he drops to like 72, 73, because, you know, maybe he has a miss or dribble or something like that. I'm still way in profit here. Like it's yeah. really not the end of the world for me. Um. 
and then he went on and scored again. So it was like, do you know what this is? This has seriously worked. Um, so I ended up like 173 pound just off him alone. Yeah. So I mean, in the end, that's that trade couldn't have worked out much better for you. Um, no, no, I've got no. I've got an admission to make, which is that Jay did message me when he was looking at doubling down on that trade, and he said Salah's only five p above his payout, and at this point, it was my sister's thirtieth birthday, so I'd already had a few drinks. I wasn't watching the game, and I thought he was trying to suggest that we should short him. And I was like, "No, you're right." <laughs> I was like, "No, you're right." And he and he then texted me after the game saying, "Did you take it?" I was like. Well, no, I mean, I don't think it was really a short. If anything, I might have gone long. And he was like, that's what I meant. <laughs> so I missed the point on that one. And I missed out on the profit, which is a bit of a shame. Um, I'd actually backed Mane. Um, and, you know, it, in the end, it didn't work out. I suppose the penalty thing is potentially a reason for for, Sa- for there to be a, a bit of a little bit of a price differential between Salah and Mane, just depending on on kind of how their form's looking and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the Salah performance, uh, before we move on, there is actually quite a bit to unpack from it. Because, as we mentioned earlier, he was heavily involved. Mm-hmm. He lost the ball, uh, based on the, the sports stat scoring table, he lost the ball 14 times during the game. He was tackled on sev- seven occasions, and on another seven occasions, he had unsuccessful dribbles. Yep. He won uh, three corners, so that that you know is additive from the the changes to scoring table. He had seven successful dribbles in addition to all the times he lost the ball. So we're talking about probably one of the most involved performances I've ever seen. Yeah, um, absolutely. In addition to his three goals and one miss, he had five blocked shots. Mm-hmm. So with the changes to scoring table. That could have been an additional 15p if this if this performance had taken place last season. Yeah, obviously, if you then take out the... All the other bits, yeah. Yeah, some of the other bits. Um, it would have been slightly different. But, um, yeah, it was it was an incredibly involved performance, um, which was really nice to see, I think. Like I said um, earlier, I remember watching the game and like he would have, like say, two or three Leeds players around him and he'd take two of them on and get past them. Um, and then he would get tackled. So you might have got like the plus four, but then you would have lost one. And I was like, do you know what? I don't mind that. Because <laughs> no. last season, I would have had plus four and then minus two for the tackle, more yeah. than likely. Yeah, um, I think I think that shift is actually a really good one because yeah. it, in the end, players are being rewarded for trying to progress play forwards. And yeah, it kind of, I think it captures the game quite well because when you're dribbling forwards, Essentially, there has to be a positive payoff from it. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when you look at on sports stack, you can get two if you succeed or minus one if you lose. Like, it's, it needs to be a positive thing, um, carrying the ball forwards. And I think they've done that quite well. Yeah, 100%. That is is pretty much that game in a nutshell. It was primarily just Salah. Alisson um, disappointed massively. What I would say before we move on is that I'm not actually sold on Leeds yet. I think there is reason for positivity, but their XG from the game was 0.27. The fact they scored three goals, I think, is more a reflection on Allison and even, I mean, Van Dijk messed up horribly for the second goal. Yeah. I think it's quite, I think it's that's quite more interesting a reflection on them. You, uh, you say that about their XG because uh, my, my mate who's a Leeds fan, and he's going to curse me as soon as he hears this now because I'm just going to slate him on the podcast. <laughs> um, he brings up like the XG and sort of X everything all the time. Okay. Hasn't mentioned this game for XG once, but now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I've, I've, I've looked through the XG stats for all of the games of the weekend. And this was one of the most interesting ones because the scoreline is far closer than the XG stats suggest it should have been. Um, even if, I mean, you know, Leeds did have the ball in the net on two more occasions and they were prevented by the offside flag. So there's there's plenty of reason to be positive, but they're going to have to create better better chances than that to keep scoring. And, you know, they, they may well do against other teams. Obviously, we are, we are talking about them playing um, against the last year's runaway champions. So we'll see how it goes. The eight o'clock kickoff on Saturday was West Ham nil, Newcastle 2. Mm-hmm. So... As much as you've, I mean, you've taken a fair victory lap on the last one. I think, think Salah's, um, 
Salah's performance pretty much put the picks to bed um, <laughs> just on its own. So fair enough. I, what I did realise is that I might have I might have um, done myself over a little bit with allowing you to have Arsenal and Liverpool in the picks just because well, they're this more is, this obvious the winners. Yeah, because what you done was like, I didn't actually have my picks ready when you put the notes together. And you had made your picks already, leaving me with Arsenal, Liverpool and Everton. Or yeah. Sort of those games. And then to me, it was like, okay, fine. If you want those three, I'll take these three every day of the week. Yeah. Well, I've learned my lesson now. I've learned yeah. my lesson now. Um, Although I made my picks and on the notes this week <laughs> and left you with the games I didn't want. Yeah, you did. So we'll see how this goes. I feel like that's sort of like you having the home advantage. And I, I had the home advantage last weekend. I didn't make enough of it. Anyway. Yeah, you've done, uh, you done Southampton against Leicester last season. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. <laughs> Massive own goal. Anyway, West Ham, Newcastle. So we mentioned last week the narrative around this game. I think... Newcastle look like they, they could be interesting this year. Callum Wilson was one of my picks. He scored his goal, the goal that, you know, I was hoping would come. So, you know, he's he's back in the game. Jeff Hendrick won Superstack in that game. I think he had a payout of 75p um, with a goal and assist. So, you know, you take those out of the equation. His base score plus his appearance score is going to be 50p anyway. Um, so that's, again, a good performance. They've got Ryan Fraser, who didn't actually make it onto the pitch. Um, they they look like they, they could do quite well still. And obviously West Ham, that kind of compounds the, the misery for them. Yes. Yeah, it does massively compound the misery for West Ham. Um, things just seem to be going from uh, bad to worse, sort of on and off the pitch now especially. Yeah. I, I, to be fair, I don't think there's actually a whole lot more to add um, on, on this game, apart from the fact yeah. that I backed Callum Wilson. Yeah, um, which was a, a great trade. Um, I, I know uh, a couple of traders went short on him, um, you know, probably for the right reasons, based on his payouts um, at, at Bournemouth last season. And sort of he became the, uh, I suppose, the, the butt of the joke uh, quite a few times uh, in the post-lockdown period. So, you know, if you, if I suppose if you did go short on Callum Wilson, maybe don't beat yourself uh, too much over it just because uh, just because you managed to score. No, exactly, exactly. I think it was is a fair trade based on how he did at Bournemouth last year. The signs are there that that he could st- he could be a good signing yet for Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. He did he did keep the the typical Callum Wilson really poor base score, so that was quite nice to see. Of eleven p, yeah, yeah, eleven p <laughs> is nothing to shout about. No. Moving on to Sunday. West Brom hosted Leicester in the early kickoff and it was really quite a dreary game for the sort of opening half an hour or so. West Brom offered very little. Leicester looked quite toothless. They got a breakthrough in the second half. Um, Timothy Castagna, the the new signing for them, nodded home goal in his debut. Then Vardy came through winning a penalty, converting that. James Justin winning another penalty. Vardy also converting that. They won 3-0 and Vardy had a score of 77p. What did you make of it? Well, I, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch either of the Sunday games. Um, but sort of just looking at the, the stats alone, hitting 77p with two goals and an assist really doesn't do much for me. Like, no. To me, that is a, it's not a great base score. Um, it's going to be what twenty uh, seven? Is it? Maybe? I've got this on a spreadsheet somewhere, so I can yeah, find out. It's, it's it's not huge, um, but then again, that is something that we expect from Jamie Vardy. Twenty two base score. I see. 22. Okay, so that's fine. My quick maths is only slightly off. That's um, all right. I still haven't memorized the calculation. Obviously, you'd think that we should have worked it out, us having come up with it, but it's fine. Yeah. I've memorised the calculation. It's just like, I do this. I do numbers all day, man. My head, my head hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just sort of that, that base score isn't, isn't great. Obviously it doesn't show a lot of involvement and 
West Brom are a, obviously a promoted side, so how how will Jamie Vardy then do um, against other teams? Obviously, I know he's done fantastic um, last season and you know for a couple of seasons now, but every year there's always that thing like oh, you know like he isn't he's now another year older. Can he still can he still do it? Um, so you know I I might have to watch that game back and just see how he was doing in his general play to really get a feel for is he going to be able to keep this up or you know is he is he not is is he now starting to finally get too old it's a sad thought that that Jamie Vardy could be getting too old because he's withstood the test of time so well mm-hmm. but at some point things might start to catch up with him what you do have is even at the age of 33 he was um, at least last year, I don't know if he's 30, he may be 34 now. Um, he was so sharp. He has been so sharp for so long that, you know, it, it could be a very swift decline, but at least he's, it will be a decline from a very high level. Yeah. So he's got, he's kind of got that in his favour at least. Um, and I mean, with that performance against West Brom, I'm going to check in on the XG stats again. Leicester were very comfortably winners on that, but, you know, it helps the fact that, that Vardy had two penalties. Um, yeah, I can imagine it. It definitely, uh, it definitely makes the XG look a little bit uh, nicer. Yeah. So, <laughs> Var- well, so a penalty carries an XG of 0.76. So that is saying that those uh, those penalties, yeah, are expected to be scored 76% of the time. Yeah. He he doesn't actually have an XG from anything else. I'm sure I saw him have a shot in the first half, uh, but no, it's those penalties were the only shots he actually had. And I think part of that is a lack of creativity behind him in that Leicester midfield. They weren't really able to generate enough good chances. Mm-hmm. And that might change with James Madison coming back. So we'll see how, how that carries forward um, when they play Burnley this coming weekend. Yeah, I think that'll be, that'll be a much different game. Yeah, you'd say so. Mm-hmm. Now, the final game on Sunday was Spurs versus Everton. And there is... There are a couple of bits to pick up on in here. Everton, yeah. I think, looked quite quite interesting, right? Um, well, again, I was I was out playing a charity cricket match, so I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure because I haven't had a chance to watch watch the game back. Um, but from everything that I've read, a Spurs apparently didn't turn up at all, um, whereas Everton, in the almost complete overhaul of midfield, looked fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things we, we did touch on last week was the question of how is Ancelotti going to fit it, fit all of those new signings in? Mm-hmm. And what it amounted to was a sort of a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, I'm not really sure. Um, but Alan and Decore were in the midfield with Andre Gomez and James Rodriguez started out on that right wing with Richarlison on the left. Um, I suppose, actually, it was much more of a 4-3-3 and it was, it was kind of kind of asymmetrical in terms of I think Richarlison provided more of a you know a much more of a direct goal threat I suppose as you would expect than Rodriguez did Richarlison's performance is possibly one of the best we've seen on sports stack for the fact that he didn't have a goal contribution uh Dina assisted Dominic Calvert-Lewin for for the only goal of the game mm-hmm. Richarlison paid out 83p and there's there's just there's a hell of a lot there. He had one shot on target in that, which I think makes it even more ridiculous because he had two block shots, and obviously they're only worth two p each. And he had four misses, so those all subtract from his total. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of those chances, one of the missed chances, he could have squared it for Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, for for an open goal. So you know that could have been ten p on top. But he had three tackles. He had twelve ball recoveries, three CBIs. Uh, sorry, four CBIs and ten dribbles, amongst other things. Um, I think oh, six fouls, one as well. Six fouls, one. There we go. Um, yeah. I think he might have won a corner as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's just a hell of a lot there, and I, I I don't know what we can really add to that. Obviously, if if he can add goals to that sort of performance, that's amazing. You probably can't expect him to be doing that every week because he was playing at 100 miles an hour. Um, and he looked, he looked really, really good playing out on that left wing. Um, and, and 
Everton were creating a lot of chances, switching the play from Rodriguez on one side to Richarlison on the other. Obviously, as, as we kind of covered, he had seven shots in the game. So they're looking to get him chances. Dominic Calvert-Lewin only had two and he was playing as a central striker. So that's an interesting an interesting thing, I think, to watch out for going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that I will probably keep an eye out for um, sort of in the, the upcoming uh, Everton-West Brom game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that base payout of 58p um, certainly explains why people were paying up for Richarlison compared to, to someone like Calvert-Lewin. Obviously, playing West Brom in the next game, people will fancy Everton because they, they looked really impressive against, obviously, a Spurs side who should at least be difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. Moving on to Monday evening, we are, we're nearly there with these games. Guys, uh, Sheffield United lost 2-0 to Wolves and this game was pretty much over before it actually started. Yeah, so um, this I was I pretty much missed the whole of this game as well. Um, so union work commitments just taking over at the moment. Um, but what I suppose what was quite frustrating for me is that Jimenez scored, and then he kind of carried on. And so sort of when I've looked at him on sports, like he carried on to do more. And yeah, which he really didn't do a lot of in the post-lockdown period. Uh, like, he, he was doing it back in January and February, um, but then he, he didn't do it at all in the sort of post-lockdown period. So I thought, right, I'll just, I'll leave you alone for a while. Like, you know, get back up to speed first, and then yeah. I'll look at you. And then the first game back, he just, like, goes on one. Yeah. So I I was very strongly of the view that, that Wolves were going to win this game. I didn't particularly fancy Sheffield United. No. I wanted to just take a few minutes at the start of the game to see how it's going to go. And I think Jimenez was maybe 46p to buy at kickoff. And that was just a little rich for my liking. If he'd been 42, 43, I might have taken that pregame. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to just take a few minutes to to see how it went. And from <laughs> even from the attack that they scored from, uh, I was like, OK, I like what I see here. And, you know, walls were breaking quickly. They were luring... Um, so was Daniel Pudence with the ball was sort of luring people into challenges, skipping past them. I thought, this is kind of what I want to see. But the ball was in the back of the net before I'd even unlocked my phone. So that was in the third minute. Um, and it was a really nice finish, actually, from Jimenez. And yeah, then, yeah, and, and Roman Saiz knocked the second one in three minutes later. So after six minutes, it was 2-0. Um, I mean, you, you might say the game was done. I think Sheffield United did show a fair amount later on in the second half. You know, they hit the post, they tested Patricio a little bit, mm-hmm. but Wolves Wolves looked good value for, for that 2-0 win. Um, it was just annoying that it kind of, yeah, it went, it went as early as it did because after that, there wasn't a whole lot I wanted to trade. No, I can, I can understand that because sort of once you get to, if, you know, an early 2-0 lead kind of kills the game off entirely, doesn't it? Um, to, yeah. to some degree, you know, at least for the rest of that first half, you know, unless, you know, you've got a highly, highly motivated team, um, you know, the team that are 2-0 down inside 10 minutes will struggle to pick themselves up, um, at least until half time. Yeah. And then, I mean, Jimenez hoiked a, a shot wide off a rebound, I think, from Roman size. So Roman size took a... Uh, Took super stack in that game. He paid out eighty p, which is 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 very impressive. He was. I, I don't. I don't know how he was getting up there into the Sheffield United box in the second half. Um. So he he hit the woodwork and him and his put on wide at the end. Wolves did have chances to kill the game off. So, you know, I mean, I think I think that was as much as people want to see early on from them that they are gonna. Ca- kind of carry on that form that they showed last year and, and continue to be a threat to the teams in the top six or so. Mm, absolutely. Uh, final game of the weekend's fixtures, mm. game week one, was Brighton one, Chelsea three. And obviously there is a lot here that we, we could pay attention to given we did the transfers pod and featured Werner particularly, but also Havertz. Yep. Havertz was was absolutely stinking wasn't he he was but that 
paid dividends for us. <laughs> it did, yes. Yeah. So I think this was one of those games where sort of I know I backed uh, both Werner and Havertz on Super Sack and I went long on Werner uh, sort of pre-kickoff. And I think it took me about 15 minutes uh, before I decided, you know what, like, maybe maybe there was a reason that Havertz was priced at 16 to 1. Um, and then decided to take a short. And I think about another 10 minutes after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to double down on this. I'm I'm very, very confident on this now. Um, thinking that, you know, he he's potentially going to be the one who gets subbed off first as well. Um, but Werner, Werner looked quite dangerous, I thought. He did, yeah. I mean, I I took the short on Havertz and I was actually looking at shorting Werner just after that. And that was about the point. I think I, I messaged you about it and you're like, Werner is starting to look okay. And I think in the little delay on my stream, I'd missed that he'd, he'd had a couple of dribbles and stuff. And obviously that was enough for me to say, okay, maybe he's clicking into gear. I'll, I'll leave it. And yeah. I'm quite glad I did because obviously he, he in the end, he won fared reasonably well. Um, he won yeah. the penalty. So that, that would have made it at least a, a very difficult short because almost straight away you're, you're in the red. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I didn't I didn't go for that. The I suppose the he- main headliner really is Reese James, who paid out 77p, playing right back. I mean, it was sort of kind of a I suppose right wing back role. He was he was up against Solly March, and I feel like that's a little bit of an unfair battle because Solly March is not a wing back in any way. Um, you got Leandro Trossard was playing up front with Mope, and then March was playing out sort of as a as a left wing back kind of thing, and March struggled particularly in the first half. James ended up with a goal, and it was an absolute corker. Yes, it was. Um, that was that was an unreal strike, and then he also had an assist, which was for. I mean, you know, that was that was on the fortunate side. Zuma kind of came in with a little p roller, and it deflected off a defender and went in, um, sort of from a corner. Um, the other thing to mention is that I think he had a sixteen p from CBIs, which it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. That's a, that's a fair amount. So. That looks like a pretty pretty impressive performance from Reese James, and I suppose with Thiago Silva being added at the back there and Ben Chilwell, space needs to open up somewhere for Aspilicueta. I'd be surprised if you know he's not playing um, fairly regularly, so it might be that that he and Reese James are kind of on rotation. But we'll, we'll yeah, we'll see how that one ends up going. Okay, so community questions, or specifically question, but I think this is actually a really good question we've got from uh, our beloved community manager, Lewis. Jay, Lewis has said, how do you decide about doubling down in play? What signs do you look for, and is it worth it when considering the risk? I guess this is alluding to kind of what we mentioned in the Setting the Goalpost blog. Yeah. yeah is there I anything that, that kind of jumps out at you when, when you see this question? Oh, it's... I suppose, yeah, you've, you've got to break the question down, right? So how do you decide about doubling down in play? Um, watch the game. <laughs> is, That's is number the, one. That is the most important rule. Um, it's probably my most important rule for just trading in general on sports deck in, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But if you've, if you've shorted a player and, you know, let's say you're 15, 20 minutes into the game, they've had nothing to do at all like they've barely touched the ball that maybe maybe they've got you know eight passes completed and then they score out of absolutely nothing i'm doubling down on that because there's like if you've given me 25 minutes where they've done nothing and then they've got a goal from absolutely nothing yeah i'm going to double down on that inflated price because to me that's I'm either then sort of trying to claw back some of the losses that I've potentially just incurred from that goal coming in, um, or that now inflated price looks so attractive to me that I don't think they're going to reach that. Yeah. Um, but then obviously it can go the other way where you know you might have gone long on someone and they've scored, say, I don't know, just before half time, and then say 10 minutes into the next half, uh, they're their buy price is only, say, 10p above their payout, but 
it's quite an open game, like I suppose it was in uh, with Liverpool Leeds. Um, then you could say, okay, do you know what? Does you know the thought process then? Does this player get subbed off often? If the answer is no, okay, we're, we're a step closer. Are they looking lively? How's their how's their um, payout timeline looking? Okay, yeah, that's that's quite lively. They're getting involved with a couple of block shots, whatnot. Okay, let's let's go for it. Like, are we in profit? Even better if you're already in profit and you know you're not really risking a lot. Yeah, yeah, I think it certainly comes back to watching watching the game regardless that's the only way you can actually inform a decision to double down on something you can you can have an intuition before the game mm-hmm. but you need to be watching the game to know what the context is and that you're you're taking that extra risk because as lewis mentioned is it worth it when considering the risk during the game the risk reward if you're doubling down on something the risk reward is probably less in your favor than it was pre-game i suppose um you know you've got it yeah, might be a, it might be a trade that, that is working in which case the price say if you're short a player the price has already moved lower which means your exposure is greater on the the shares that you're adding in play yeah. so you need to have that kind of confirmation in front of you that that you actually want to make that decision so what are the signs do you're looking for it depends on if you're obviously it depends if you're short or long that's that's obviously quite clear um, Jay, I think your point about subs is very, very important because being subbed off is, you know, it's break for a long trade, it's make for a short trade. So yeah, that 100%. is a question that's worth asking um, when you're looking at the player. Um, and, and often, if I take a short trade pre-kickoff, it's because I think they are a candidate to be subbed anyway. So, yeah, I think if you're going to take a short trade, you've... Either the price has got to be 70, you know, maybe 65, 70p to sell um, pretty much. Or is this player going to get subbed? Yeah, that's the thing, because I think, you know, you look at a lot of players um, last night for Chelsea, Havertz in the end. I thought I when I shorted him, I thought there's a fair chance he gets brought off because if he's not, if he carries, carries on not playing well, he is a young player making his debut in another league. He's an easy candidate to bring off. You know, yeah. if you're Lampard and you want to give someone a run out, he's an easy candidate to bring off and you've got plenty of attacking talent on the bench. So that's yeah. that's one example where you say, yeah, that he's 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 quite likely to be subbed. If you're trying to trade Wilfred Zaha, you know with a near certainty he's not coming off the pitch. And yeah, that can a lot help more risk involved in that. Yeah, that can that can help to inform your decision if you're you know, if you're going long, it should help. I mean his base power of the weekend is kind of suggests that he almost is in danger of losing points as long as he's on the pitch. Um, <laughs> as, as much as he is, but he's winning. also Palace's main attacking threat. Yeah, so there's, there's that as well. So there's there's that to take into account as well. I think you know to to go back to the question. There's there's a lot to consider, but if you're somebody who watches football quite often, you will automatically without even actually thinking about it you will automatically process all of these things that we've just mentioned and probably within a five second period you will have made your mind up on whether whether you're going to do it and whether all of these things line up in your favor or whether enough of them line up in your favor yeah I think I think those the two actually that that we've mentioned, Jay, are the starting point. If you want to start trading in play, if you want to maybe start du- doubling down on positions in play, those should be the first two considerations. And as Jay says, when if you watch enough football, if you watch plenty of football, you will quite instinctively get an idea of is this worth following up on. So I mean, the the other one that I had was uh, Christopher and Kunku in the Champions League semi-final and I shorted him before the game based on the, his, his recent payouts. So all of his payouts during the Champions League, they weren't up to snuff. Yeah. And in play, the game was just going so heavily against Leipzig and he was giving away foul after foul after foul. Mm-hmm. I think during a period where he gave away about four fouls in 10 minutes, at some point there, I was like, he's either getting subbed off or booked. Yeah. 
And I mean, a, a booking is another thing to watch out for. You know, if you are watching a game and you notice someone's made three fouls, that's that's something to look at because you know they're probably one foul away from a yellow card. Um, so there, there are a lot of things that that you can consider, and I feel like this this answer <laughs> this answer between us, Jay, has probably been informative, but also there's a lot for people to uh, to, take to take in. Care. So. You know, if 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 anyone wants to message us on Twitter or tweet us or message us on Slack just to get ideas, then then go right ahead because um, you know it's it's an interesting thing for us to discuss and it's something that I think we both want to sharpen up on this season. Yes. So yeah. that's yeah, we welcome we welcome all discussion on on that point. So that's that's the the community question for the week. But Lewis, that was a very good one. If you come up with any others next week, you know, far away. This is just, probably. Yeah. On to the pick review, and this will certainly be, well, not my highlight for the pod. Jay, you, you can remember this. I'll, I'll, <laughs> let you, I'll let you talk everyone through it. Yeah, I mean, so I was uh, plus 55. Dave was plus uh, 15. So I I absolutely annihilated Dave. Um, question, are we doing point difference? Uh, no. Based on how the first week's gone, oh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nip that one in the bud now. But maybe, maybe the uh, the answer will change next week. We'll see. No, um, no, no. We either start now, or we take it through the season, or we don't do it at all. So yeah, if you, okay, like, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say we don't. Seventy points next week, then that's on you, mate. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say we don't. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. Um, fine. Yeah, that that salad trade obviously, well, basically it won it quite yeah. quickly yeah and also my my first uh my first pick of the weekend was jeffrey schlapp and that just didn't go well that set me right back so by the end of the liverpool game i was already well by the end of the liverpool game jay was on 52 and i was on minus 15 so i actually just managed to close the gap fairly yeah. well with, uh, with the other two which were uh, james justin and and callum wilson yeah I mean, overall, sort of, if you look at it that way, sort of, your picks were a lot more consistent. Mine were just um, hot, well, I suppose, light, burning hot and cold, cold, whereas yours was uh, cold and, I suppose, hot, hot. Yeah, I mean, in the end, that's how you end up winning. If you get, if, you know, if you get if you get one trade, that'll make your weekend. If you get one trade, yeah. that is that big a winner, that so... Is. Preview for Game Week 2. Ooh. Yes. So we obviously were recording this on the Tuesday night. Um, I know sort of in the uh, post-lockdown period, we were always recording on Monday and we get the pod out on Tuesday. But the way the markets uh, seem to be open at the moment, we were hoping sort of that Tuesdays will probably normally be the recording day just because it gives us five, six markets a week, roughly um to to preview for you guys um rather than just like the two or three that we might get if we if we record on a monday yeah so that's where we're at this week we've got six markets open now yep we'll start you know chronologically that's the easiest way to do it everton west brom is the only kickoff on saturday mm-hmm. my pick is in this game my pick is dominic calvert lewin at 41p this one i'm I'm not massively confident on, you know, it could be Richarlison. I think he was 49.50p. And as we discussed, there's a reason you would pay up for him. I think West Brom didn't look fantastic and I'm expecting Calvert-Lewin to to find chances against them. That doesn't sound a particularly convincing argument, but (laughs) he, he he managed to get a goal against Spurs. West Brom, I think... Will will offer room for opportunities. The only thing is, they will probably be playing five at the back again, and that will be there for for yeah. Hammers and Co to try and unlock. Yeah, hundred percent. I I mean, personally, I'm quite surprised you haven't gone with Richarlison. I know Richarlison is a lot more expensive, um, but considering the amount that you were bigging him up um, in the review, I'm quite surprised you haven't gone with him. It's well, so this is where I'm a little bit stuck because his performance at the weekend was absolutely insane mm-hmm. um and i was i was on the right side of that i picked him up actually at half time at 59p when his payout was already on 54 and i didn't quite get that because i thought i, I don't see him being one of the first ones to get subbed 
So, you know, he's probably got at least another half hour to try and make up that five points. And he'd done it within a couple of minutes. Um, And he just kept going. He just kept going. It was ridiculous. At the same time, I... Last time I backed him was in a really stodgy Everton 1-0 win against Norwich. And he paid out about 25, 30p, I think. And I'd backed him at 51. Oh, God. So I don't know if I'm... I've just been burnt. You know, once bitten, twice shy, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, So... That's why I've gone with Calvert Lewin. I've had I've had some some good trades on Calvert Lewin in the past, so maybe that's why I've I've gone with him over Richarlison. But we shall see. Yeah, no, we'll we shall see. see. The next oh, actually, to be fair, the next game is also one of my picks. We're, maybe the chronological order thing isn't the way to do it. Leeds versus Fulham though is the Saturday three o'clock kickoff. I. I, to be honest, I don't really know what to expect here so much, but I did look back at last season's results. In each case, the home team won. So Leeds beat Fulham 3-0 um, after lockdown when they played at Ellen Road. And, you know, just based on the performances of the weekend, I'm more interested in Leeds than I am in, than I am in Fulham. My pick for this game is a short on Josh Onoma at 39p. I wanted to short him against Arsenal, I'm not sure why it was I didn't. I think it's because with short trades, I, I'm i more inclined to want to watch it in play because, you know, a goal can really kill you on a short trade. So you kind of want to be more tuned into that. Yeah. yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't watch the Fulham Arsenal game last weekend, so I didn't take it then. But he ended up on 16p. So I'm inclined to take it again now. And I feel like he's he's in the sort of position where if Fulham are winning, he might be a guy that gets given a rest. If they're losing and they're chasing a goal, he is quite probably going to be the player that gets brought off for another striker. Um, or, you know, he might be at the heart of why things aren't working going forwards and he'll get swapped out. So I think there's there's a reasonable chance there of him getting, getting hooked. Um, and I, I just fancy Leeds. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I I personally fancy Leeds in that game as well. Um, I think you know, Leeds could potentially score three goals again, and obviously Josh Onoma will lose nine um, p from that alone. So yeah, I I I quite like that as a short idea. Yeah, I think I think particularly with Fulham's style where, you know, they may have a lot of possession, but they struggle to progress the ball forwards. That doesn't tr- translate to Onoma racking up passes either. That no. translates to centre-halves and maybe the, the deeper midfielders, so Kearney and Harrison Reed getting more of the ball. But Onoma is likely to be one of those guys that ends up getting a little bit isolated. Yeah, he'll have his moments in the game, no doubt. Um, but they, I, I agree, I think they're going to be f- few and far between. Yeah, so that's that one. Yep. That is, I think, the first. That's the first short trade for a pick um, this season. So we'll see Four how it goes. Five thirty yeah. on Saturday. United host Palace. So you snapped up this game before I could even get close, Jay. Yeah, I feel like we're doing role reversal though. <laughs> go right. Uh, well, you go ahead. Yeah, Dokers. Yeah, this this feels really weird now because I'm normally laughing at you um, at this point um, in every single podcast where you come up with this guy. Um, so I'm going long on Guaita. Yep, <laughs> yep sounds about right. Yeah, um, at 41p, I just after seeing how you know sort of how well he done against uh, Southampton, I don't really see a reason why he can't do the same thing again. Um, and I know we've we've mentioned quite a few times in the past that keepers keepers can be quite attractive for a lot of traders because you know all they've really got to do is make a save for every goal they concede and they're at a sort of a, a net nil position there. It's it's not like some of the other players where their their actions are fast sort of their their poor actions are vastly outweighed. Yeah. They, yeah. you know, keepers can make that up pretty easily. Keeper can make a save, but he might spill the ball, and then you know the forward taps it in. Who cares at that point? You're at a net nil position. They've already made the save and just spilt it. 
yeah, that's a fair point. I think if we're looking sort of tactically at the game, we basically know that Hodgson is going to set Palace up to be difficult to break down. Yeah. And the first thing that comes to mind then, I know actually I'd, I'd looked at Guaita initially and I I was interested in him at 41, 42p. But I thought back to the United Palace game or Palace United game last season at Selhurst Park that was after lockdown. And I don't think Guaita paid out particularly well in that off the top of my head because United didn't fashion too many chances. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I'm thinking back to the Man United Burnley game at Old Trafford, which you did very, very well off last season with uh, yes, Nick Pope in goal. Pope. Yeah, and I think it could end up being a kind of similar affair. You know, like Hodgson, Hodgson will try and make Palace as, as difficult to to break down as possible, and we've got the personnel to try and hit them on the break. But it's going to boil down probably to to Guise's goal being a fair bit under siege. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if the game's still level at half time, and that might be something that people want to look at at half time. If you know if the game is level, then you'd expect United to have much more of the ball and be probably you know with Bruno in the lineup shooting on site. Yeah, pushing pushing a lot more for it. Um, yeah. Instantly, I've gone long on Bruno as well. So if he does fancy taking a number of pop shots, um, so long as Guaita is the guy saving them. Um, I I will have absolutely no complaints whatsoever. Yeah, we've had we've had that on a couple of, on a couple of occasions, haven't we? Where we've yeah. we've agreed a deal where your forward can have plenty of shots on target and my keeper can save them or something to yeah. that effect. Absolutely, and it never ever happens. No, it doesn't. It never <laughs> works out that way. So no, I don't know if if from that we can deduce roughly how the game's going to go. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll we'll leave that one there. Southampton versus Spurs is the early kickoff on Sunday. Again, this is one of your picks, Jay. Yes. So, despite the fact that he didn't manage to score um, on the the weekend just gone, I'm back in Danny Ings at 45p. Um, just purely based on the fact that Spurs, from what I've heard, were terrible. And I think... Southampton will be well, well up for going out for blood, uh, considering that they will probably feel a little bit robbed that they didn't at least come away with a point at Selhurst Park. Um, yeah. So I, I will highly imagine that they will come out all guns blazing. And I think, you know, the main beneficiary of of that is going to be Danny Ings. Yeah, based on what I've seen, I don't think Hassan Hurtle is going to say, OK, I got things wrong. I'm going to, um, you know, we're, we're going to sit back. We're going to invite them on to us a bit more. I think they'll they'll stick to their guns um, yeah, in the way they play. And obviously, Ings should be the, the person that stands to benefit most from that, assuming they can create some chances. And as well, I, I don't think Spurs are going to just sit in and, and be difficult to break down. No, I think there will be chances available because I think Spurs will be quite similar where they are potentially going to try and up their game. Um, sort of my concern with Spurs in general is that it's Jose in charge and are we just going to see him try and park the bus? Yeah, that I mean, that's, that did cross my mind as I said that. I was kind of thinking Jose could do that. Yeah. But I think... I don't think the answer in the situation they're in where they need to to sort of get things clicking up front, I don't think the answer to that is to try and play more defensively. Um, but, I, yeah, I can't say I'm a coach on the same sort of level as Jose Mourinho is. So yeah. we'll, see, we'll see what he thinks is the answer. Exactly. We'll find out. Yep. Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, is Leicester versus Burnley. And this, to me, is probably the... the dud game to try and pick from the weekend but I've taken what I feel is quite a bold pick and that is a short on Jamie Vardy at 49p I was interested in this mostly because Jay I think you paid less at the point I saw him he was a 52p buy and I think you paid less than that for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang playing against Fulham (laughs) yeah I did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so to me, 52p to buy seemed high and 49p seemed higher to sell than I was expecting it to be. Um, yeah. 
going back to the Leicester, the West Brom Leicester game that we mentioned earlier, Vardy there had two goals and a penalty one for a payout of 77p. So, you know, if you take off, if you, if say he hadn't won that first penalty and then he didn't score it, you take off 30p, he's paid out 47p with the goal. And as we saw on, uh, I used understat, he didn't actually have another shot during the game, according, to, at least according to that website. I'm not quite no, sure he, if that's right. He didn't have anything on Sportstack. He, his involvement in the game was, I think there's like two or three other actions and that is it. <laughs> yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how, I suppose one of the things will be if James Madison is back for this game. I don't know if he's going to be, but Burnley will be difficult to break down. They're going to try and deny Leicester space for shooting. So, I, you know, I, I feel fairly comfortable with this bet and putting my trust in Sean Dyche and the Burnley defence to just be difficult to beat. Yep, uh, uh, that, that is a very good point, putting your trust in Sean Dyche to... And the Burnley defence, I think it's a very safe bet. <laughs> yeah, Burnley's defence are a good one. Um, I'm saying this now, Jay, actually. What I did notice when I was looking at the prices on there, James Tarkovsky was a 43p buy, which feels quite quite low as well. Uh, it's too late now. You said it. I'm just giving you a little tip. I'm not making a change to my pick. I'm Ooh, just saying. I'm just saying. This, yeah. it, might be, it might be one you're interested in. Um, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see at seven o'clock on Sunday how I feel about it. <laughs> well, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. I I'm trying to trade mostly in play this week, but that was a price that I saw, and I am I'm a little tempted by, so I might revisit that um, yeah. in a few minutes. Final game of the weekend: Villa versus Chef U. Your final pick, please. It has to be Grealish, doesn't it? Like we 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 bigged him up, um, you know, with the his payout increase um for fouls one um i know they've you know got um ollie watkins and try now so there's i suppose an argument that he won't have to be or he will every, everything may not have to go through Grealish. um and i agree to to a degree it may not have to but it will because he will want it to <laughs> It's yeah, it's his team, isn't it? He, I think he he likes the responsibility. Yeah, and if he's you know, obviously earliest day he signed a new five year deal. If you're telling me that he's going to sign a five year deal and sort of say, oh yeah, like I I don't mind if Ollie Watkins you know takes takes the the helm a little bit, then you're mad. Because there's no way he's doing that. He's he would have had in that contract, or you know, he would had a verbal agreement and said, "Look, everything goes through me. This is my team. This is what I'm going to do. It goes through me." Um, and at 46p against the Sheffield United side, who didn't look great, um, and are arguably a heck of a lot weaker at the back now without uh, Dean Henderson. I I feel like 46p is a, a very good price for him. I think he actually came out a little bit cheaper, um, but I just wasn't quite quick enough, unfortunately. Right, well, on that front, you win some, you lose some. I think, I think Grealish is a decent selection, and Sheffield United, that, that game against Wolves went, in the end, how I expected it to. I think I, I'm less confident in them now than, than I would have been last season Mm -hmm. so I don't I don't mind that pick at all and the thing for Villa as well bringing in Watkins and Triori I mean Triori is is certainly potentially a ball carrier he can take some of the pressure off Grealish but in the end it's it's Grealish's team and they have more firepower and that can only really stand to benefit Grealish you know if he's putting ball on the plate for for Roddy Watkins and I mean Bertrand Triori I'm not sure about as a goal scorer but they've, they've got more options going forward and they've got more quality up there than they had last year. And I think that probably stands to benefit Grealish. Yeah, 100%. Cool. I think that is just about everything for us this week, is it not? It is. Yeah, it Excellent. is. Excellent. Right, well, we will leave it there then, guys. Um, those are the picks. We'll run through them again very quickly. For me, for Dave, that is a long, 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin at 41p, short Josh Onoma, 39p, and short Jamie Vardy at 49p. Yep. Jay, do you want to go through yours? Uh, yep, so I'm long on Gwait at 41, long on Danny Ings at 45, and long on Jack Grealish at 46p. Let the games begin. Guys, yeah. thank you very much for listening in. We appreciate you being around, and we will catch up with you next week. And good luck trading. Good to be able to say that again. <laughs>